0: Well, if you're new around here, um, we have been in a series that we've called Frequency. We're actually going to wrap it up today a little bit. But what we've been talking about is how we can, as followers of Jesus, how we can hear the voice of God. Like this is actually possible for us. He's speaking all the time. Like he's like a radio broadcaster broadcasting his voice through the airwaves. The voice of God is around us saying things to us in our generation, in our lifetime, and he wants us to be able to listen. The question is, can you tune in? Are you able to tune in to the frequency? Are you able to put yourself in a position where you can hear what God actually wants to say to you? Can you hear him through all the other voices of our culture that scream so loud all the time at us? This is what we've been trying to accomplish. And if you're fairly new to the church, I would encourage you, man, go back to onechapel.com, go look at some of the previous messages and hear the whole course of what we've talked about. And it might really be helpful to you. So we're going to talk about it today and kind of wrap it up. Um, John 8:47 is where I've been camping out most. And here's what it says. It says, "He who is uh, who—that's uh-huh, what it says." <laughs> Let's try that again. He who is of God hears God's words. He who is of God hears God's words. That means as a follower of Jesus, you have the capacity as as one of the characteristics of you, main characteristics of you as a follower of Jesus, you have the ability to hear the voice of God. You can be led by his spirit. You can obey. You can do all the things that he wants you to do. This is not something that's reserved for the extraordinary or for the people with a deep spiritual well of maturity over time being seasoned. That's That's good too. And they can too. But all of us have the opportunity to be able to hear the voice of God for our lives. And the fact of the matter is, if you're a child of God, then you need this. Like You need to do this. Everybody, God is calling us. He has purpose. He has things for us to do. And so all of us need the ability to be able to hear what he wants us to do. We need to hear his plans. We need to hear his purpose so that we can go ahead and obey them. And so frankly, if you're not in that position today, let's do something about it. If you're not in that position today, then something is off, something is wrong, something is missing. And I'm not necessarily talking about sin, though maybe, but regardless, let's get on track, let's listen to those messages, get into the Word, let's find out, talk to some friends around here, let's pray about it because God has plans for us to accomplish. We need to be able to listen to do what He wants. So what we're going to talk about today is that God not only wants to speak to you, but He also wants to speak through you. He doesn't want to just talk to you, He wants to speak through you for other people, Now, the people who did this throughout the scriptures, most of you know, they were called prophets. And so uh, here's the thing about the prophets. They they were the people who obviously spoke for God. And and we, you and I, we are called, as the people of God, to speak for God in our society. Now, that makes some people nervous when I say it. What does that mean? You tell me I need to be a prophet? What does it mean to have a prophetic voice what, what would that mean if we were to become a prophetic church like what does that really look like and it makes people nervous because that word gets thrown around a lot and depending on what circle you are operating in um, some of you when I say that word you might just think of like an old dude out in the desert wearing a bathrobe or something you know eating locusts and honey apparently I'm not sure what that's all about but that's the picture that you have about it Others of you, when I say it, you might picture the the man of God with the right now word of revelation, a word in season. You might think of that. Apparently not many of you, uh, but some of you in the right circles uh, may have have been experienced to some of that, and that's good. Um, Others of you, you might think of things like um, somebody who's confrontational and bold, somebody who disrupts the social order and changes things, maybe. Still others of you, you might think about somebody who just I don't know it's like somebody who tells the future he's got a crystal ball or something i'm not sure exactly how that works and others of you when i say you think uh it's all a sham man this whole thing is a sham it's like a scam that's what some people think and it's because you've seen church signs you've seen signs like this one right here prophecy class cancelled due to unforeseen circumstances (laughs) how's that working out for you not very well well let's see what we can figure out today from numbers chapter 11 Starting in verse 24, we're going to read quite a few scriptures today, so hang with me. So Moses went out and he told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. The Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same spirit upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Ildad and the name of the other Medad. By the way, great names. If you're about to have a kid, you might think about it. Really biblical, solid. And the spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those who who listed, sorry, among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Ildad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, are you zealous for my sake? Uh, oh, Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them. The big thing that I want you to walk away with today is that as a believer, you have a prophetic voice. As a believer, you have a prophetic voice. All of us are called to speak God's Word into the world, to carry His message into our culture. Sometimes that happens in a very broad and general way. Uh, speaking at large to the culture, sometimes that happens in a very specific and unique way to an individual. We saw this in verse 25, it says, we already read it, but then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, took the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, though they never did so again. It's kind of interesting. These 70 elders, they, they, they prophesied, the spirit comes on when they prophesied, but they didn't do it again. Why is that? Well, it's actually because of sin. <laughs> we are sinful people. They were sinful people. The Holy Spirit came on them, but he didn't remain on them because of the problem of sin. Jesus had not yet come to eradicate sin, to get rid of it through his death, burial, and resurrection. And so this was an issue. Sin and God are incompatible. They cannot be in the same space. They don't take up the same space. Sin has to go. But in the New Testament, Jesus, he's going to show up and he's going to conquer it. He's going to conquer sin. He's going to conquer death. He's going to conquer hell. And then after that, he's going to return to the Father and the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and will live in us and lead us and help us and show us what's to come, the scripture says. But look at the end of verse 29. Moses says to Joshua, are you zealous for my sake? Bro, are you worried about me? Like, I don't have hurt feelings. This is okay. Okay. Because, oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses is crying out, wouldn't it be incredible? Wouldn't it be great if everybody understood that they are prophets and that they need to speak the words of God? So Moses is crying out, and this is exactly what happens. Fast forward, this is exactly what happens through Jesus' life and through his death and his His burial and resurrection. And in Acts chapter 2, We read in in, uh, verse 16, this is the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is ascending on the upper room. And it says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This right here, what's happening in the upper room. It shall come to pass in the last days, said God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. All flesh, that's you. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That's all of us. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they, all of us, they shall prophesy. This is Peter, and he's describing to the mass of people that are gathered around that what they're seeing, what they're hearing, what's happening here is this outpouring of the Holy Spirit on them, just as Joel prophesied 750 years earlier. So in Acts chapter 2, we're seeing the answer to Moses' prayer. Oh, that all men, everybody would be able to do this. And we're seeing it happen here on the day of Pentecost. And because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come to the disciples, but now he remains on the disciples. Now he's able to live because all of their sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. And the same thing is true of you. You as a believer, as a follower of Christ, your sins are covered under the blood of Jesus. And now you and I have the opportunity, not just for the Holy Spirit to come and pop in and take off, but for for him to come and reside inside of us and remain with us as we choose to yield to him and allow him to move. And we listen and we obey and we do the things that he's called us to do. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have this opportunity. Your sins have been taken care of and his presence doesn't have to come and go depending on your holiness like these other guys. He remains with you. He walks beside you. That's why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Here it is again. It says all, all of us can prophesy, but what does it really mean? As people get nervous. What does it really mean? What am I supposed to do? Well, At its very foundation, prophecy is this, giving a message from God to somebody else. It's not spooky. It's not weird. It's not crazy. It's giving a message from God to somebody else. Here's something that you probably need to remember. The Holy Spirit is not weird or kooky. People are. You're giggling because you know it's true. The Holy Spirit is incredible. People sometimes say, he's a gentleman. You can't guarantee that everything is going to go completely smooth when he shows up, but he's not weird. He's a, he's, he, he is God. He's not weird. He's not crazy. People are. It's good for us to remember that. And that's why it goes kind of crazy. And so all this, all this, if all can prophesy, then that means that everybody can hear from God. But a lot of us, we feel like, well, God's got a gag on, like, I can't understand it. Like, it just feels like he's going. <laughs> got it? No, I don't got it. I don't, I don't understand. You sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. I don't get it. I can't hear it correctly. Or we feel like he's like playing charades. He's like, <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't know like, I don't know what that means I, like, you want me to marry this person no that's not it you want me to take this job no that's not the right thing I don't know I don't know we have these all these weird misconceptions about how this works and there's no weird or unclear signals this is what the scripture says John sixteen thirteen. when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come this is what he does I've had this experience many times throughout my life. One time, uh, I remember when I was still in Colorado as a pastor there, we had this service where we had some pastors coming in to visit, and, and they were told, who, some, of, some of the people, some of the staff's name at the church, told their names, told what they did, and they were going to pray about us for a few weeks, and they were going to come, and they were going to give us whatever message they felt like God had to say to us. I know, you're like, well, this sounds crazy. So, so Maria and I were selected, so they gave them our names, and a couple weeks they've been praying for us, and so they showed up to this meeting. And so a couple of those guys are actually, uh, one of them is Pastor Tom Lane, and he's actually an overseer of this church, really cool. And then another one was Pastor Robert Morris, you might know his name from uh, Gateway Church in Lakeway. Lakeway? Yeah, no, Lake, Lake, okay, South Lake. South Lake. that's the one, we have Lakeway. So, so, <laughs> so it's been a long day. Um, so they showed up, and so Maria and I are sitting on this platform, and they, they're kind of going one by one, and they're talking to us, and Pastor Robert Morris, he stands up and he says, you need to know that God's proud of you, and me being the punk kid that I was, I'm like, well, okay, thanks. <laughs> well, that's powerful. All right. I know this. Like, it's real. It's like saying, oh, God loves you. Okay. He loves the world. It's pretty clear. I know. I'm, I told you I was a punk kid, and he, but he keeps going, and he says, you know, you, you, when you leave the youth meeting after you finish on a Wednesday night, you drive home and you call your wife and you say, Honey, it was a terrible night and I did a bad job and I, I did a, my sermon wasn't great and I don't know if these kids are going to come back and this went wrong and this went wrong and, 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 and you need to stop doing that. And I was like, <laughs> Because that's exactly what I was doing. Every single Wednesday night. Every time. I was down on myself. I was discouraged. I felt like I was doing a bad job. And so God wanted to speak through him to me in a very specific way about that. And there's no way that he could have known that. I don't tell anybody that. I don't make that known. I wasn't super proud of that. So, so he, there's no way except for God spoke to him. And listen, he spoke it to me and it encouraged me and it changed my life. Like he was saying, you need, to, you need to know that God is pleased with you and he made you the way you are and he's proud of the things that you're offering and you're gonna see some good fruit. And I was like, <laughs> I was bawling. More manly though. It was, it was, it was much more manly than that, but. But I was, it it totally changed me. This is what I'm talking about, everybody. This is the kind of stuff God wants to do. And the best place for you and I to do it, to be prophetic and have a prophetic voice is out there in the world that we live in. With the people that you work with, with the people that are in class with you, with the people that are in your morning yoga class, with the, the, the people that live next door to you. All of our spheres of influence to be able to step into that arena and be able to share God's messages. This is what I'm talking about. The place for prophecy is not just here in these walls. Not four walls. I don't know. We've got eight in here. It's a weird building. But not just here in the church service. They are meant for the world in which we live. Prophecy should not be relegated to here. It's not a gift of the Spirit to be used among believers, not solely. You and I can share the messages of God with the people that we're in contact with. So since this is true, there's a couple things we need to talk about really quick. Number one is that prophecy is never manipulative because that's really easy to do and that's what people start to think about. somebody's going to pull the God card on me. They're just going to say, well, God told me, God said, what's the response to that? No, he didn't. I mean, there's that conversation can't go anywhere from there. It just stops immediately. Now I'm not saying that you don't have boldness. We'll cover this in a second, but, but it's not something that we do just to get somebody to do something that we want them to do by having a feeling about them and then attaching God said to it, attaching the words, thus saith the Lord, that can easily become manipulative. And God has something to say about this. Jeremiah 23 verse 25 says I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name saying I have dreamed I have dreamed how long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies indeed they are the prophets of the deceit of their own heart and he continues in verse 30 therefore behold I am against the prophets says the Lord who steal my words every one from his neighbor behold I am against the prophets says the Lord who use their tongues and say he says God is not okay with this so we have to be careful we we all can we can all hear him we can all speak his words we can all prophesy all of us can do it but sometimes we miss it we just do we're human beings sometimes we miss it and that's okay and that's why i just think it's best not to use the words thus saith the lord it's just best that means that we might need to learn to do and to say things differently than we say them or do them currently we might need to just change the way that we do it. I mean, think about it. If you walk into your workplace and you're sitting with a guy who has never set foot in church before and you say, excuse me, are you washed in the blood of the lamb? And he doesn't know what that means. He's like, ew, no, I have not. And by the way, I'm not talking to you anymore. Right now, we all understand. We understand the power of what we just said. That's, those are very rich words and they're very meaningful to us as believers. But it doesn't make any sense to him. We have to understand the context that we're in. We've got to be able to to speak into that context in the right way, to be sensitive and thoughtful about our language, to avoid being weird or kooky or confusing, uh, super spiritual, using a lot of Christian ease. We never lean over to our coworker in the next cubicle and say, you know, brother, you know, it's going to be good when the voice gets deep and they say, brother, you know, brother, I was just experiencing a holy habitation with the almighty Lord of hosts sitting here in my secret and holy place, my cubicle. And the king of kings, he came in a a visitation and he spoke to me with an inner voice and he granted me a revelation for your situation because when it rhymes, it's even better. A revelation for your situation. And thusly, I lay my hands and prophesy unto you. Thus saith the... Don't do that. Just don't do it. You don't need to do it. It's okay. Don't speak in those terms. Instead, I want to ask you to say something like this. Hey man, you know what? Um, I believe in God and I've been praying for you and I, I think that God may have said something to me to share with you. Would that be all right with you? Can I tell you, uh, you see how normal that is? you see how it's not weird or freaky and it doesn't put so much pressure on for the God card? It, but you're still going to say all the power, all the incredible things that God has said to you. You're still going to relay those, but you can say it in a way that that dude can hear it. Yeah. Can I tell you about it? See what you think. Is that okay? Sometimes I'll just say, you know what? I've got this sense in my heart, man. I, I, can, I, can I tell you about it? And if it doesn't hit, then you just say, oh man, don't worry about it. Look, maybe just think about it, write it down. I don't know, keep it. If something pops up later, that'd be great. No worries, it's not a big deal. Look, I just wanna be a faithful friend to you, that's all. That's the way I'm talking about. And sometimes what might happen is you might hear something for somebody else that you just don't even need to talk about. God might speak something to you for somebody and you just need to sit on it and pray for them. That's a good question for you to ask yourself. God, should I say something about this or do you want me just to pray about it? And always just start by praying. So when someone gives you a word, when someone comes to you and says, I've got a word from you, thus saith the Lord, that means you just need to be aware. This is a human being. I need to be discerning, not critical, not judgmental, not put up my walls. I don't believe that. You need to be discerning. Holy Spirit, is this what you want to say to me? And he'll speak to you. You can go back and hear some of the messages in the series. We've talked about how to do that. The second thing, first one is prophecy is never manipulative. The second thing is prophecy. It's encouraging. First Corinthians 14, three, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Look at those three purposes of prophecy listed in that verse edification exhortation and comfort if you look at those words in the original Greek language and you follow them through every one of them has a leaning towards encourage all of those definitions say to encourage prophecy is meant to encourage to bring encouragement to the hearer if a word doesn't encourage then chances are it's not a word from God Now, I'm not saying that every message is just puppy dogs and rainbows, because sometimes it can be very encouraging to help you get back on track a little bit more. But in the Old Testament, people didn't have the Holy Spirit. We've already talked about this. They didn't have the Holy Spirit full time like we do. You do you have the Holy Spirit. He resides in you. He lives in you. He walks with you. And he is able to bring you a word of correction. He's able to give you a word of warning. You you can do that with him. He will speak to you in those ways. And that's why this series has been important because we need to learn how to do that if we're going to obey everything that he wants us to do. I just think most of us aren't that good at encouraging ourselves. We're really good at discouraging ourselves. Oh, I'm such a loser. Oh, I did that wrong. Oh, I made a mistake. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, I failed God again. Oh, that's, that's the way most of us, we, we all kind of tend to lean that way. Some of us are really encouraging to ourselves and good for you. I'm not one of them. So we need a little bit of help. Let's look again at first Corinthians 14 31, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Everybody can prophesy. I can, you can, we all can. Everybody, so that all may learn to get into position, to be able to learn how to distinguish his voice from the other voices, and that everybody may be encouraged, which is the purpose of prophecy. What I hope you'll hear this morning and realize today is that as a follower of Jesus, you are prophetic. You are. In your culture, in your life, you are prophetic. We as the church, as the body of Christ, we have a responsibility to do this, to be prophetic. And if that's true, then we need to probably make some changes. We gotta change the way that we look at ourselves and the way that we operate day to day. It it may mean that we have to, instead of looking so much inward and what's going on with me and what's happening in my family and what's just going on in my relationship with God, what's happening in here, all those are good things and those are important things. But we may need to change a little bit to look outside of ourselves to see what he may want to do. That means we gotta look at other people differently. We have to look and see what they're going through, not being so consumed with our own stuff that we're not able to see what's happening in the world around us. We might have to look look differently at the world around us to see the world and see what God might be doing in it and see how we can cooperate with him. First Peter 2, 9 through 10, in the message version, it says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. I like it. God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him. And so we start to, in fact, just this morning, let's just, us right here as the One Chapel family, let's just start to, to identify and to define what it means to be a prophet. What it defines for us, let's define it and say, this is what it means for us to do this in our culture and in my life. A prophet, it's somebody who sees a different world and who speaks a different word. It's somebody who sees a different world, not just the world that surrounds us, not just the world that's practical that that everybody can see, but you see something else that's going on and you speak a different word than the negativity and all the other things that everybody else is prone to say on Facebook. We're able to speak this revealing word. We're able to uncover it. We're able to help people see it because we see what they don't see. Jesus does this when he talks to the woman at the well in John chapter four. I think it's in your notes. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but John chapter 4, verse 13. He's talking with her at the well and he ends up saying, "Uh, go call your husband and tell him to come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) Well, yeah. But why? Why? Why does she say that? Because he revealed this truth. He revealed the hidden thing. He brought it to light, and he brought it to light so that she could see herself clearly and so that she could see who he was clearly so that there could be change. We see in the Apostle Paul 2 in Ephesians 3 where he talks about in verse 9, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. To bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery that was hidden for ages in god so from jesus and from paul we start to see maybe an outline of what this might mean for us to be prophetic a prophetic church a prophetic people not weird not kooky not sc- not crazy not scary but a prophetic church sees a different world and speaks a different word and so i just want to give you two things and i want you to write them down in your message notes as we close here and as we close out this series because i think that it's really important for us in our church and for the future of who we are and where we're going. The first one is a prophetic church sees Jesus as king and his kingdom as arriving here and now. A prophetic church sees Jesus as the king and his kingdom as arriving here and now. One of the major themes in the Old Testament is that the creator God is the king over all of his creation. If you've been following along with Read Scripture and through the Bible app that we've been reading on and the Bible Project, you've seen this come out pretty clearly as we started. And if you read the psalms you'll find it too psalm 47 2 says for the lord most high is awesome the great king over all the earth so when we read the first few chapters of the bible we read it through that lens we start to understand that humans were created they were created to reflect the wise and loving rule of god the creator king into his creation that's what we were to do we were made to partner with him adam and eve were supposed to do this and receive dominion from him dominion over all the earth but they sinned they rebelled and they forfeited that privilege but then many years later jesus shows up on the scene as the true adam the the human being the human design the way that god designed us living and moving the way that god designed for all of us to live and jesus shows up and he announces his kingdom mission he announces the kingdom in luke 4 by quoting isaiah 61. And Jesus stands up in the synagogue and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus, he lives, he performs miracles, he teaches, he gives his life on the cross, he's buried, he's raised again three days later and is seated at the right hand of the father. This was the plan, this is what he was doing. And then he sends the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two to fill the believers so that they, so that we, can continue the kingdom mission, so that you and I continue the mission. His kingdom continues through us. Paul argues through his letters in in several different ways that the church does this. They participate in God's kingdom by confessing Jesus as Lord, the true sovereign of the world, By, by, by living under his reign, by living under the reign of the king, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and partnering with him in making his world right, which is what he's doing, bringing it all together, his kingdom come in fullness, making the world right. And so everybody, the church is at its prophetic best when we live in a way that sees Jesus as king and his kingdom is arriving here and now through us. This is the way that I need you to see yourself. This is the way that we need to go into the next season of our church, understanding that this is true. And Jesus outlines this kingdom for us and how different it is from the kingdoms of the world. You can see it in Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount. We're not going to take the time to read it, but it's in your notes. You can read it later. But you see it, this different kingdom, this upside down kingdom that's totally different from the kingdoms of the world. The kind of kingdom where if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. The kind of kingdom where if you want to be first, you've got to be last. In this kingdom, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to become the servant to all. It doesn't make sense in the world that we live in, but it is the thing that we announce, that we proclaim, that we live in, and that we help other people see by pointing them to Jesus, helping them understand the cross and the resurrection and the life that they can have in him. This is what we do. It doesn't make sense to them, but we live in it and we announce it and we participate with him. And finally, the prophetic church acts as a signpost toward the future. We act as a signpost pointing towards the future. Proverbs 31, 8 through 9 talks about this a little bit. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. This is some of the work that we get to do. You know, activism is big today. Activism is a big thing in our culture today, and I suppose it always has been uh, in recent society. And it's pretty good. It has many appealing qualities, I think. It, It certainly unifies people. It's good. It mobilizes people for a cause, and a common cause, and that's really good. Uh, It can raise awareness for a serious issue. That's great. It can even change a a widely held cultural paradigm that may be off, and and that's good. I'm not talking about slacktivism, of course. Many of you are familiar with the term slacktivism. Slacktivism is when you change your profile pic with new colors of a country that's in trouble and say, Ooh, I did a good job. Slacktivism is when you sign an online petition and say, I am doing the work. Slacktivism is when you say, "Um, I joined a group on Facebook and they do a a lot of good work, so I'm doing good work, right? It's (laughs) it's not, now look, even slacktivism has its benefits. I mean, raising awareness is important, it's really good. But I'm not talking about slacktivism and I'm not talking about activism. Our motivation in doing these things is not about activism. When I'm talking about being a prophetic, I'm not talking about being an activist in the world. The church doesn't care for the poor, or feed the hungry, or speak for the marginalized for the same reason that an activist does. It's different. they'll, They'll be in the same march, for sure. They'll even use the same hashtags, for sure. But our motivation is different than the activist's motivation. The Christian is not in this ultimately just to create change, or just to solve the world's problems. And those things are very good. But a Christian acts and speaks Because he or she has seen a different future, has seen something else out there, has seen another reality of God's kingdom, can see it, can talk about it, and can even see it erupt in pockets around their world. See it erupt in pockets in their kids, erupt in pockets in their workplace, erupt in pockets uh, wherever they go. They see the kingdom of God showing up. Remember, a prophet speaks a different word because he sees or she sees a different world. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 25 when he talks about when you feed the hungry and when you give the thirsty something to drink and when there's a a stranger and you invited me in. When you did all of these things and you came to visit me, you were doing this work. Every time we, the church, you and I, every time we do this, we welcome the stranger, we forgive our enemies, we show mercy to the offender. Every time we do this, we become a signpost pointing to that future. We don't do these things to be good humanitarians. We don't do it to solve a global crisis, though those are good things to do. We do it to point to the day when the kingdom of God comes in its fullness. We do it to point to the day where everything on earth will match up as it does in heaven. We do it to point forward toward the day when there will be no more sickness, when there will be no more pain, when there will be no more injustice. It will finally be put down. This is why we speak up and act. This is why we stand up against injustice. This is why we care for the vulnerable and the marginalized. This is why we rescue orphans and care for widows. This is why we stand up and speak out against racism when we see it. This is why we we work to rescue those who are held captive in human trafficking. This is why we volunteer for Sunset Valley. This is why we do this stuff. Because this is the work that he does. This is the work that he is doing. He's making all things right and you get to participate in it. And make no mistake, I'm not just talking about social justice. I'm talking about the gospel. I'm talking about the life of God coming into people's lives. I'm talking about the work of Christ invading and bringing things together and making things right. The gospel does that work. Jesus does that work. And this is the work that we, you and I, get to do. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?